playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Colby McKee, Lance Dahl, alongside Matt Wong, goaltending coach of the Mesonet Tigers. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind for you, pal. So uh, let's start with... Let's go back to Brooks for a little bit. Let's do that first. Let's do that. You've had a handful of pretty damn good goalies there. Uh, Garrett Hewson was one that you had when you were in Brooks. Uh, kind of a local kid. You you probably saw him a little bit here in town, right? Yeah, worked with him during his years in uh, through Bantam and Midget. Yep. And okay, so you were telling the story about Garrett that we have to share about how he uh, <laughs> he's a backwards goalie, like like literally. He is. N- he's not supposed to be a backwards goalie, right? So so what he was catching with his wrong hand, like he the equipment was a problem. So this was the story. So. For as long as I known him, he caught like a normal goal. He caught with his left hand. Right. And then uh, later, when he was probably probably sixteen or seventeen, I, I threw something at him, roll a tape or something, and he caught it with his right hand, and he threw it back to me with his left hand, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and he's like, "I catch with my right hand, like normally," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "How how is that possible? You play goal." normal like you catch with your left hand and he goes no like he goes when I was growing up in in foremost he goes uh, like they didn't have the equipment for backwards catch like they didn't have any gloves on the right hand Right. so he goes I had no choice but to learn how to play goal (laughs) the the proper way and I'm like you have got to be kidding me (laughs) so then you're telling me this whole time that you've been playing goal backwards and he goes yeah I'm like well that's pretty damn impressive (laughs) isn't that the truth there's only room to go up right like natural athlete I guess like that's pretty impressive I think oh 100% and I mean he played in Spoke uh, with the Chiefs he was in Windsor and then he came to you in Brooks Uh, what was some of the stuff that you worked on with him that you really think kind of propelled him to uh, because he's playing university hockey and uh, and now has a pro contract last I saw somewhere overseas yeah he's playing in Hungary right now and uh, when he was younger he was just a little guy he was he was small and, and grew late and then when he did grow he seemed to grow all at once so I think that was always the one thing in his game that was always missing yeah is is the size and what once he got that you know he was he was listed by the Tigers and then later listed by the Chiefs and, and played for them for three years and and was quite successful and then ended up playing in in Windsor for I think half that year and then ended up with us and, and took us to a league championship and Took us to the national the national championship, which which we didn't win. We lost in the semifinal, but he he was a big part of that team, a big part of that run. You can see, you can feel a little bit better about that because he won an NJAC just not too long ago. So I now it's def- okay. I definitely feel a little bitter <laughs> about that run. Like, oh, do you? Even that run, like when I look back on that run, I, it was it was a hard move for me, especially like we, we had a number one guy who who I really liked and really loved and. When when his name came up and when when he asked me like what's what's Brooks goalie situation like I remember throwing it by Ryan and you know it was he that's a hard guy to turn down right so yeah we ended up bringing him in and the other kid was was a good sport about it and and like I said it's still there's some there's some things I'm not particularly proud of and that's one of them just just because uh, you know that that other kid was a good goalie yeah. for us too but. I think looking back on it, uh, Garrett Garrett was a big part of that run. So if I had to do it again, I, I think I would. 100%. You talk about that, that championship run last year. I mean, it was started with Pierce Charleston. I mean, you've, you've talked at length about him, uh, rookie goaltending coming into this league. He 57-3 and three record last year. Like, holy shit. 
That's okay. Like <laughs> complete domination of the AJHL. Just talk a little bit about Pierce and, and the, the bond that you guys grew in, in one season and amazing talent. Yeah, I, I affectionately know him as Prince Charles. So when I refer to when I refer to Prince when I refer to Prince, that's that's who I'm talking about. Uh, Prince came out of left field. He was supposed to be just I think he we just planned for him to be our backup goalie. Okay. Um, funny story about the start of that year. We lost the very first game of the year, eleven to three. Holy cow! To Drumheller, which Prince did not play that night. <laughs> um, we had a guy that we thought was going to be the guy, which turned out after that night he he was no longer. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no, eleven Stunning. to three. Eleven to three on the first night. Like, and I'm thinking after after that game, I'm like. Holy moly! What have we got ourselves into? Like, we're, <laughs> tough start. What is the tough start? <laughs> yeah. We're in for a long year. Yeah. So we talk after as a staff. We're like, well, we got to go to Prince. So we we go to him, and then uh, you know he won, and then we played him again in the home opener against Drum Heller, the same team, and and he shut them out. And then we just kept putting him in, and he won and won and kept winning and winning and winning, and we couldn't take him out. So I, I he's he's evidence of. You know, one of the things that I say is you only get one opportunity sometimes. Yeah. And when opportunity or fate taps you on the shoulder, you better be ready because there's no guarantee that it's ever going to happen again. And opportunity tapped him on the shoulder. He took that ball and ran with it. And such an awesome kid, great kid, love the kid to death, love the goaltender. It came such a long way as a goaltender. Um, you know, I think relationships for me is, is a big part of it. I think that's where it all kind of starts relationships and trust and then and then from there uh you know i went to the wall for him and i I hope he went to the wall for me and and the end result is what it is i mean we we had uh, a storybook ending if you will no doubt um there was one guy in between there that that i I think we need to touch on mitch benson yeah Uh, i'm just gonna throw this out there how was he not in an organization in the nhl yet his numbers are stupid yeah, like ridiculous numbers. I get him and Prince are similar. I think just in terms of personality, in terms of temperament, um, you know, those two kids did so much for me. Um, as much as they they might say that I did lots for them, they did more for me, more than I'll ever be able to do for them. Just calm. Calm, peaceful souls. Everything that I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's usually how that works, isn't it? So you, you get know, all wrapped up in it, had, and they're like, oh, "It's okay, Matt. Just relax." You know, I have some fire, and and they just brought a lot of peace to my life. And one look from them you, was always enough to uh, to put me at ease. But just to talk about Benny a little bit more. He, like it was a, it was a really good trade by Ryan. I know that uh, we were searching for at that at that time we were just searching for some veteran presence in net, and Benny had had a, at least one year in Victoria. Right. So, it it made sense. We we moved one of our goalies at the time to Victoria, and and uh, we acquired Benny. And you know, I guess the rest is kind of history. Like he was so so good. That first year he was with us. The following year we were a younger team, and he and I think he kind of kept us afloat for a lot of the year. And he walked into a good situation in college, just because yep. uh, the guy at Colgate before him was uh, Colton Point, yep. who kinda now, good. yeah, kind of good, yeah, no kidding, just a little bit. And he plays that uh, he plays in the Dallas system now. So wow. Colton Point went to pro early, and then Benny's had a good chance to step in there and played almost every game as a freshman. Uh, last year so good opportunity for him to step in and, and he was great and and there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to get some pro looks down the road yeah, here so for sure no, quality person quality goalie 
No Loved doubt. him. He he was great. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be his second year at Colgate. Uh, looking back at his time in Brooks, it's ridiculous. He had in uh, 2017 RBC, when it was still the RBC, a 135 goals against and a 944 save percentage in the RBC. That RBC Cup, like that goal, the goaltending in that tournament was out of this world. Like, we we obviously had uh, we had we had Benny, and then uh, the guy that played for Penticton. He's his name was Matt Robson, and he's now in the Minnesota system. Something I believe. Like that, yeah. Lots of good goalies in in that uh, in that RBC. Maybe more so even in that Western Canada Cup just to get to the RBC. Again, right. there was us, there was Penticton, there was Chilliwack, who had a guy, I can't remember his name, Mar- Mark Sinclair. He he was awesome too, like just the quality of the goaltending in that tournament. And, you know, I think that was kind of the coming out party for Benny. I think uh, leading up to that, it was sometimes it's hard. For, it was hard for our goalies to get recognized just because yeah. our teams were so strong. And uh, maybe the goalie was overlooked at times, but that was kind of Benny's coming out party where he was the tournament's top goalie and, and won the award for the tournament MVP. So I think that, that kind of put him on the map. And then, like I said, the rest is history. Yeah. Five tremendous years with the Brooks Bandits. Um, I guess a little bit more of a serious question. How tough of a decision was it to leave the Bandits organization? I mean, amongst all the winning, was it just a simply a case of uh, a new opportunity comes up with the Tigers? You've done everything you can do at that level and it's time for a new challenge. Well, it was it was tough. I'm going to try not to get emotional. Please don't. <laughs> you, got, you got beer if you need I'm it. I'm going to try not to get emotional talking about it. But no, it, it, it was very tough. I mean, uh, the Tigers' opportunity was something that I, I hadn't even really thought about. I, w- I was more than happy going back to Brooks. We had a good thing going there. Like you said, I five, five great years, five terrific years. And... Uh, I don't really look in the rearview mirror a whole bunch. I try not to, uh, and I'm scared to do that sometimes <laughs> because uh, I feel if I look back there, then then, then I'm not going to be moving forward. But right. maybe this is a good exercise for me. Having yeah, this to look is therapy. <laughs> this is therapy We're for here you. For this you, is bro. totally therapy. Yeah, this, this is, is all totally for you. Therapy. You guys will learn in this. Like like I'm a goaltender. Like I'm pretty yeah. screwed up. So <laughs> it was, this, I think this will be this will be a good exercise having to reflect. So right. No. Um, yeah, now that I have to reflect, I mean, like you said, Colby, I mean, is, is was there a whole lot more to achieve looking back on it now? Probably not, but not not something I th- thought about at the time. Just did it once as far as winning a national championship, and, and you just try to keep on doing it. You keep trying to do it again, and I think as a coach, that's the best way to, to keep yourself fresh and current and, and not get stale. I think that's that's the worst thing that can happen as a coach is is getting stale. So you always look for ways to uh, to keep moving forward and, and keep getting better and no, like when the opportunity with the Tigers came up, it like this medicine hat's home for me. Yeah. So it, it was probably the only one that I ever would have left Brooks for, the only one I would have taken seriously. And uh, you know, after sitting down with Willie and talking about it, 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 it made I think it made sense to them and, and it definitely made sense to me. Um live in Medicine Hat, proud to be from Medicine Hat, and uh just the opportunity to to coach at home for the first time in a long time was something that uh 
appealed to me among other things like I, I wanted to coach at home I wanted to coach major junior it's a good goaltending scenario that I'm walking into I, I wanted to coach Mads and Garen and I, I wanted to work with Willie so th- there was a lot of things that aligned for me well I mean you go from one good staff with like you said Ryan Papuano and now you come into another great staff headed by Willie uh, and, and you touched on it with Mads and Garen uh, so between that tandem and I mean we can throw Evan for dead into yeah. there too because I think he's going to get some run um, when Mads uh, dips out and Lord willing fingers crossed if anything ever were to happen yep. you do have Evan uh, back there between the trio of goaltenders uh, what are some of the characteristics that you're seeing kind of almost be a staple throughout and what are some of those ones that uh, that maybe different guys are bringing to the table well, I think for Mads, like I think the obvious one is is he's really he's, small. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> like I wish he was bigger. Yeah, I wish he, I <laughs> wish he could add some cover that top of the net. Yeah, I box, wish he grow a little bit. That's the obvious one. Just just the sheer size mm-hmm. of him and, and the space that he covers and. He just in in our goalie practices when I look at him or when uh, I'm at the other end watching the other guys shoot at him. Geez, like there's just there's just <laughs> not a lot there. Yeah. But uh, despite the size and everything, like there's there's more to him than that. Like he he's a terrific athlete, and he moves around the net very good for for somebody at that size. You know, structurally really good. I think has uh, has a good mind for the game and and very driven. I think in the conversations I've had with him, like there's there's things he wants to achieve this year, things that uh, that he wants to prove still, and, and that's good. That's that's refreshing to me. I think it would be easy for him too to get stale, but uh, like I said, he has he has big goals and big aspirations. So my job as the coach is to try to push him to get there. Garen's been a sponge. He's I think he's been terrific in his early his early outings in in the in camp and in the preseason. He's been very very good. And I think uh, s- not as big, obviously, but similar similar traits. Like he's got a calm presence about him, very athletic, very strong, very quick. Yeah. Um, for for a young guy, I, I just think the the sky's the limit for him. I yeah. think I think we're in good shape moving forward. With uh, you know when Mads leaves, I think there'll be no problem. Garen stepping in and and taking it over, and right. and even in the short term here, like I think the two guys are going to push each other for games, yep. and, and that just makes them better, and that makes the team better. Yeah, I think Evan, like you said, I think it's going to be good for him to come back here when Mads leaves, and then and then next year again, there's there's a spot open. So well, and it's even not to say that Evan can't push because I mean, like he didn't really get any run in Portland. Yeah, that's where the Tigers got him from. In case he didn't know, uh, but I mean, like his numbers uh, all through Bantam AAA, through minor midget, midget AAA in the St. Albert program. That's a strong program for, for, for midget hockey. And he's putting up like pretty good, damn good numbers by Bantam AAA standards and midget AAA standards. Definitely. Like all, all the signs are there. Like he, he's a big body too. And, and, and I value that. I sometimes take some flack for this, but I do value s- yeah. some of the You can't guys. teach size, right? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> one thing you can't teach you can't. as a coach, yeah. And if, if we go back to the three that, that won championships, I mean, those are all bigger guys. And I know it's <laughs> a different level, but those are bigger guys. That's what I've... That's what I've had some luck with. So, right. um, you know, Evan's a bigger guy, and and all the signs are there. Like he's had success at every level that he's been at. He's won. He's played in the big games. He knows what the pressure is about. So, so those are good signs for us. So, he's he's definitely somebody that that's going to be in the mix going forward. I'm curious as a goalie coach, um, how do you prefer your goalie's workload per se? Are you the kind of coach that? would prefer if Mads carried the ball and ran with it as a workhorse or is it more because the way the schedules is nowadays and the way the game is played very technical very high paced is it now more and more a split uh, tandem in net 
<clears throat> sorry, I think it can be a little bit of both. I mean, if you look at, uh, I'm going to say one thing and then it's going to contradict the the other. But of I course, mean, perfect. You, <laughs> <laughs> see how that I works. Mean, if you look back on the Brooks years, I know Mitch Benson. I think he played of 60 games. I think he played 56 games, and it was a, it ended up being a league record. For, because they uh, play 60 in a season, correct? Yeah, correct. So 56 of 60, that's a hell of a workload, yeah. So, and it was actually a league record for, for minutes played. Uh, I think last year Prince played 70 games, to, if you went All from playoffs. wire to wire, including mm-hmm. the playoffs. So, what would I prefer, I guess, what the question was? Um, I, think it would, I think it's just, you have to be smart about it. I, I don't think that the number, especially when you have a good second guy, and I don't even want to call Garen a second guy, because I think he'd be more than capable of starting on some teams. Yeah. So I, I think it just, if, if your guy is playing good and if your guy feels good, then, then I think you go with them. But like, we've got two really good goalies here. And, and I think the biggest difference between the Western Hockey League and, say, Junior A is, is I think there has to be more of a plan of succession in the Western Hockey League. I think there has to be more of a focus on building from within and developing from within and drafting good. Whereas opposed to Junior A, it, it, it just seems to be reload, 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 reload. And I think that's harder to do at the Western Hockey League. So uh, that, that's why I say I think uh, the development from within is, is really important. So it's important for Garen to get in games. Like, I don't think we can ride a guy like Mads for for 50-plus games. Like, Garen needs to get in there. That's that's how he's – like, the practice time is is going to help him too. Okay. But the way he's going to learn is he ne- he needs to get in there and he needs to be in some tough situations and – and uh, I think that's just going to make him better in the long run. Have uh, have you and the rest of the coaching staff come up with any kind of plan for the, for the season, like what you ideally would map it out to be, or is that something that's just more fluid than anything at this point? I think there's I think there's numbers in mind. I think that can always be subject to change yeah. based on the performance of the kids, and and geez, you never know if uh, the the thing that scares me about planning too far in advance is you, you can't plan for injuries. Yep. So I th- I think it's just kind of uh, you know a, a feel. Th- it really is a feel thing. It's a kind of a game I wouldn't say game by game but definitely more of a, of a feel thing I know uh, base, baseball with pitchers have gone the route of analytics yeah yeah and I think it's kind of taken some of the feel um, from the coach and, and some right. of the gut feeling out, out of it and, and I think that's important in, in our situation one how do your guys feel yeah and there's some tough stretches in the schedule like there's some three and threes where <laughs> yeah where the number one guy he can't go every night no and with with the trap with the the bigger travel here in the Western Hockey League, you need two guys that can go. Yeah. So I, I think uh, I think we're fortunate. I think we have a really good scenario, maybe the best scenario I would say in the league as far as a one-two punch. And and I think uh, our team's going to benefit from that down the road. Well, and I know even like last year there was uh, uh, even just back-to-back games, let alone three and threes. You uh, the, the Tigers were very comfortable to split. Uh, Sogard and Jordan Hollett together yeah. and just kind of split that way. So, I mean, it makes complete sense. It's funny, though, when you talk about Mads, everyone that has one interaction with him or even more so as you start to to really work with him, say he's got something between the ears that not many people have. There's some sense of mental fortitude and strength that, I, I mean, I wish I had at my age right now. <laughs> like the, he, he just doesn't seem to be like phased ever. Do you think that's something that almost becomes like a Kawhi Leonard effect where it starts dripping down not only to Garen but to the rest of the team as a whole? Definitely, definitely. I think that the mental side of goaltending is the biggest side of goaltending as far as 
not not it, it does a lot for the team. Like the goalie has to be the calming influence on the rest of the group. Everybody's going to look towards the goaltender to to provide that, especially the number one goaltender. And I think Mads comes by that naturally. So I, I think he has that calmness about him, and I think he wants to to take on more of a leadership role yeah. uh, this year. But uh, sure, certainly that's going to trickle down to Garen. But I think he's the same way too. I think he and he displayed that. Uh, there's no better example than the the exhibition game in Regina, where he gives up three goals in the first eight minutes of the game, yeah. and then uh, you know in between periods he's able to regroup and he's able to slam the door shut the rest of the way, and that does so much for the confidence of of the team and so much for the confidence of of the coaches and and probably the most important the, it does a lot for me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> puts you back at ease again you're a yeah. scholar out to there know that, to know that uh, that he can regroup from something <laughs> like that and shut the door the rest yeah. of the way that was awesome I was actually I wouldn't say I was happy to see it but I, I was glad that he had to struggle and that he had to actually collect himself and actually had to fight through that and uh, though we ended up we we ended up coming back and winning the game. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a tough spot. It's an uncomfortable spot for a goalie to be in. But I get for him to to become a number one goalie. That's what it's about is to show show that kind of mental strength. And and that was that was impressive. Like for a young guy, I think a lot of young guys would have just cratered. Yeah. And and for him to to battle through that and come out of it the way he did, I, I was happy with that. I was impressed. In terms of your goalie workload, just going back to that quickly, how much of a say does a goalie coach get in terms of playing time? Is that more of a management? Do you have a say with Willie going into the season or even with Brooks? Like, How much of a say does your opinion have in terms of can this guy go tonight? Uh, what you know, mental mindset, physical mindset, all that good jazz. So I'll say this. like At the end of the day, the head coach always decides who plays as far as as far any position Seems goalie goalie defense forward the head yeah. coach always will decide um, in the in the situations that I've been in the head coach has always asked an opinion okay I give an opinion and uh, you know it, it, whether he takes that opinion or not that's 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 fine like I said the head coach is always the one that decides but when asked an opinion I'll tell him what I think and uh, I think I think in the past, most of the time that that we've been on the same page, Ryan and Brooks, he was a goalie too. So a lot of the times we were thinking the same thing. Yeah. And uh, but no, that, that that's what I can say about that. The head coach always decides, but I'm more than happy to uh, give my two cents when asked. I uh, I got one more for you. Hit me. Um. So you're at the the spot where you're coaching not only an age group but a position that is almost damn near impossible to put a trajectory on. Like, let's face it, like we, we hear about it when kids are coming out into the NHL entry draft. It's like, well, how do we project them? Yeah. And so, not even starts early, really, when you get into the WHL into the Bantam draft. So for you, you can't necessarily put a uh, trajectory or an idea of where you think things are going to end up, but how do you set some of the targets that you set for each of these guys on, on what you want them to hit? Because numbers are good and wins matter, but I mean, at the end of the day, we're still... Like you're you're still developing these guys, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's why it's important to get out there and you ha- you have to see them. Like you can't yeah. just draft or recruit on on stats alone because stats can be they can be misleading. So right. You know, for me, like when I'm evaluating a goalie, like I have I have principles and I have methods and I have things that I look for in a goalie, and uh, you know, I, even though it's hard especially Western Hockey League level, this is something that I'm still learning. Like, these, the kids that you're drafting are young. Like, they're 14 yeah. years old. Yeah. So, uh, 
I think you, I think you just you know what you believe in and you know what you like and and you, uh, you you use that information as best you can. You use your resources too. I mean, I, I'm good friends with lots of goalie coaches in the Western Hockey League, and and they've all been very open with me as far as being willing to help me out as far as that process goes. So th- those are resources that I'm all going to be using when uh, when I'm out watching these young guys trying to find the next Tiger hopeful. And uh, like like you said, once you pick them, I'm the coach. It's my job to mm-hmm. to develop them and bring them along and and make sure that they they turn out to be good tigers. Last you, one for me. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Do you have targets in mind then this year for like different things? You don't have to get into the specific aspects, but like like ideas of where you want Mads to maybe be more proficient in and what Garen needs to. Uh, do to to satisfy what you guys kind of come up as a plan for for him to to keep progressing. Like, do you have these targets in mind already? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I think when the first time I sat down with them, one of the things I ask them is is goals. Like, what what do you want to achieve this year? Right. And and what uh, what do you want to set out? What do you want to be? And <laughs> the funny thing I always say, I get them to tell me their goals, and then I say, Are you sure that's what you want to achieve? Because <laughs> once once you say, this is your one chance to turn around and run the other way. Once once you say <laughs> Yes, you're giving me the grounds to do whatever I have to do to get <laughs> right, you there. Right. But uh, no, no, definitely. Like they both have goals. They both have high goals. There's stuff in their games that uh, that they both want to achieve and, and that I want them to achieve and get better at. Um, like I, I talked about principles, and though both goalies are going to have similar principles, it's just going to look different from goalie to goalie based yeah. on their more so based on body type right now. Right. But. Uh, no, like I said, those those principles are important to me. The methods and, and the way of doing things are going to be similar. It's just going to look different bet- between the two kids. Like I said, last one for me, you've worked with some tremendous goalies. We've talked about a few of them here tonight. Um, is there one, I'm not going to say like who's got the most talent because that's totally unfair, but is there one or two that you look back on in the years that you've been coaching that you take extra pride in? Is there one or two that you, you've seen from start as a unfinished product, even where they are currently today, they just take a little bit extra pride in a proud yeah. dad moment. <laughs> Dow, there's lots of yeah. proud. He's dad not that moments. old to be a dad. I'm not that old. <laughs> well, no. no, no, but I mean, I wasn't it's going a proud there. dad moment is what it is. Let's call it that. Well, we already did. Yeah, we're here now. <laughs> we're here now. Um, I'm going to go back to the Drumheller days. Um, there's, it's not fair. I think. Colby, yeah, sorry, Drumheller. Pin, we never talked about just them. Just to pinpoint no. one. Oh, we can revisit. There's lots to talk about Drumheller. I worked with uh, <laughs> Brian Curran and Drumheller was oh, the yeah. head coach, and we might have to do a separate segment just on Brian Curran. <laughs> 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 We're coming for Brian it. Curran. We're here for it. Colonel was an ex NHL guy. Was like. Played in the days of like Bob Probert and stuff. Oh boy! Oh yeah! The good days. He's a beaut. <laughs> the gritty days. And we we could do a whole other segment on Brian. But anyway, going back to going back to what you asked. Um, my second year in Drumheller, we had a goaltender, Devin Buffalo, who we acquired from Flin Flon, and uh, he he came in and I think he just hadn't had a lot of guidance. I I remember him saying that he had not had a goalie coach even. Wow. Before getting to uh, before coming to Drum, this is a kid that. Uh, Grew up in in Wetaskiwin, I think around Hobi- like Hobima ish. I don't don't quote me on that, but I think so- somewhere around there. Um, hadn't had any really coaching until he came to us. Was a really raw talent, um, and it all kind of came to fruition in the in the playoffs. We ended up beating Brooks out in the in the South Division final to go to the league final where we played Spruce Grove. He was terrific. I've I don't know if I've seen a goalie play that way for five games like <laughs> of the of the. F- 
four wins. I remember saying to him before the series, "Geez, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to put pressure on you here, but if we're going to win this series, you're probably going to have to steal probably two or <laughs> down your head." Yeah. And no, no kidding. Like he went out there and, and he stole three of those wins. He he was terrific. Like and and all of these guys have those moments. I mean, the way that Garrett Houston played in the league final when we acquired him, it, it was maybe the best goaltending matchup. Um, that I had seen in the league final between Garrett Houston and a, and a kid named Matt Murray, who plays at uh, who plays at U- at UMass right now. Not the Penguins. Not Argo. the Penguins. Matt Murray. Good to, to know that. This yeah. guy's cooler. <laughs> For you, I, don't, Matt. I don't know the other no. Matt Murray, so okay. this Matt Murray's cool. Deal. That was a slugfest of that was a, that was two gladiators in goal, like two big guys, and they were both they were both awesome like nothing to choose between the two goalies nothing to choose between the two teams fortunate for us um our guy was was one shot better in a lot of those games the first three games all went to overtime we already touched on Mitch Benson how how I I felt he played in the Western Canada Cup and, and how he uh that was his coming out party party and then Prince I mean similar similar league final to uh what I just talked about Garrett Houston I mean Prince was Prince was excellent. Um, Spruce Grove had a kid in Matt Davis who who was who was just as good. And like I tell a lot of the goalies, you just got to find a way to be one shot better. And Prince was was one shot better in in three of those games. And the second game of the series, uh, we went to double overtime, and and we and he made uh, some huge huge saves in the double overtime. We ended up winning the final game of that series one one nothing. I think it was two nothing, but we scored the empty net goal with right. like two seconds left. The mm-hmm. game was one nothing. So like the save he made in the double overtime of the second game is is one of the biggest saves, and he make Prince makes one of I think the biggest save in the history of the franchise in the semifinal of of the national championship with seven seconds left, just to get us into the final, and yeah. then uh, Prince outplays a guy named Logan Neaton who was drafted by. The Winnipeg Jets just this past year outplays him both times in in the national championship to to bring her home. So, is there one guy that stands out? No, <laughs> you, you gave so us a many, whole list. This I'm is sorry, great. there's there's no, just so many no. great there's so many great performances and memories. <laughs> So many proud dad moments. Hell yeah, like, he's gonna add it. it. It's fair. It's fair. How excited you got to be pumped for the season to start Friday, right? I'm really looking Man. forward to the season to start. For me, I just want to get into a routine. <laughs> yeah, and and kind of kind of get going that way. Like like I said, I, I'm I'm a goaltender and, and I'm screwed right up. Eh? Like I, I'm a creature <laughs> of habit and. I have weird, strange superstitions, and, and I just, <laughs> I just want to get oh, going. And okay, but quickly, you got give us one, one weird superstition that you're gonna do uh, Friday night. I only wear team color ties. Love it. That's perfect. Love it. So I have a whole collect, and it's been a while since I've worn orange ties. Like it's since been the Drumheller days. Yeah, I guess so. so. I've had, You've been wearing Brooks red, right? I've been wearing red and blue for the past five there years. You go. So I've had probably eight or nine of these orange ties sitting in the closet <laughs> collecting dust so when I got the job here it's the first thing I did I went back to the closet knocked the dust off them things and I said alright let's yeah. go hell yeah well the Tigers gonna get going Friday in Lethbridge Saturday the home opener 7.30 puck drop from the Canalta uh, Ticketmaster.ca or the Canalta Center box office swing in there get your tickets Matt appreciate it buddy thanks guys thanks so much Matt Matt Wong, goalie coach for the Medicine Hat Tigers, joining us on on the board podcast. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Um, got a lot of stuff to get to. 
where do we go? Uh, let's go. To, we'll stay on the ice, as you like there to say. There you go. Absolutely. On the ice. Uh, Mitch Marner signs his deal. I know that's kind of been the talking point for a lot of it. Uh, six-year deal, 10.893 AAV. It's quite a deal. Uh, we've been talking about it since the beginning of this podcast for yeah. 15 previous weeks. Seriously. This was supposedly the domino that needed to fall, and it did. Yep. Um, I have down. I mean, I think it's a win-win for both Marner and the Leafs. Yeah. I. I it's funny. We live in a world where we have to pick winners and losers. We do. Three days in, because that's what 2019 is all about. Exactly. It, it works for both. Yeah. I mean, the Leafs have to sign Marner and Marner wanted to stay in Toronto so I mean something had to get done and uh, they, they did it a lot sooner than I thought it, they, they were gonna I thought this was gonna run for a little bit longer the the further we got along in it it felt like it was gonna be a, one of those deep ones again maybe not Nylander length but right. it felt like it could have extended a while so in the press conference after they signed the deal Marner told Dubas apparently months before that they wanted this done before training camp. Marner yeah. had made it known that he wanted it done. Um, I guess it was just kind of a sticking point for him. And you're right. They came to a, a deal. I don't know. And they've been, there's been talk on sports media about the rumors that the Marner camp turned down the seven year 11 million per. Right. And I don't know if that put external pressure on the Marner camp that made it look super bad that they turned those deals down and if that had any effect on the deal getting done so soon, but that remains to be seen. Well, his agent, Darren Ferris, went on to Sportsnet's Tim and Sid and kind of refuted it. He didn't outwardly say that was the report that was wrong, but he said there was a lot of information that was out there that was incorrect. Um, But at the same time, how these things work is that the team will put stuff out and the agent and... The players' camp will put stuff out, and that's kind of how negotiating can work again in 2019. Yeah. Uh, so I take it with a grain of salt. And what, what's more interesting is that he uh, allegedly declined two um, offer sheets. Very, yeah. Which would scream to the point that he did want to stay in Toronto. That's why I say it's like I, I agree with you. It's good for both sides. Uh, speaking of Tim and Sid, though, it's funny. Sid Sixero on Twitter tweeting out that no team in NHL history has ever won a cup with a player averaging $10 million, and now they have three. Uh, that are over. Uh, over the course of time, eventually that'll change because as the cap goes up, eventually there's going to be players that are making 10 mil and someone's going to win a cup eventually. It's a percentage of cap, basically. Yeah, it's just a percentage. In errors, right? yeah. But it's interesting nonetheless. Still somewhat a, a valid point. Um, I, it's not super important, but I just wanted to make note that next season the Leafs have 10 contracts that come up. Seven are uh, defensemen, three are forwards, and they'll only have roughly 17 mil to work with. So... Doesn't this Good scream? Luck. It screams a go for it year. Yep. With, with their four core forwards making upwards of $40 million. That's half your cap yeah. in this cap world. For sure. Completely unheard of. But I mean, you're right. All these D coming up. It This screams, you got to get this done this year. And hopefully behind Freddie Anderson, you got to give him some rest because in the latter half of years, he's been fading because they've been running him out because yeah. they need him. Yeah. And the most shots he's been facing on a team like Toronto is pretty incredible. I mean, even when you look at it, it's like they didn't really have a choice. So this is kind of the road they had to take, right? When they had these players in their system, when they bring in Tavares, you basically have to pay these top guys. And a lot of guys, or a lot of people rather, will look at uh, the Nylander contract and be unhappy with it because especially how last year panned out. But uh, leading up to it, there was a lot of talk before the deal was made that this was going to be a worthwhile uh, contract to sign. Yeah. So they kind of were, to a 
some extent put into this spot based off of the players they brought in. They had to commit to the plan, and that's what they've done. Um, there's a bunch of contracts that, that have been signed recently. Uh, any that stand out to you that you want to go over? Like, there's a, I have a whole list of them, but is there any in, in passing that, that you want to touch on? I guess it's sticking with the forwards. I mean, the other in that range of RFA forwards was Brock Besser. Yeah. He signed his three year bridge deal at 5.875, I think it was. Right. Um, not making more or making slightly more than potential captain Bo Horvat. Because that's the other thing I think I've heard on Tim and Sid as well is these young guys could potentially and will be making more than their leadership older guys. And yeah. that's just, and the fact that it could disrupt a locker room a dressing room in hockey terms yeah. um, is something that these general managers have to take into effect. How these older guys, like you look at Winnipeg mm-hmm. with Shifley and Wheeler making six, six and a half. And then there's rumors that line a could be making eight, nine, even $10 million. How's it, that going to fare? Uh, it goes, it, it's a case by case though. Right. And like, I, I get where that argument is coming from. I understand it, but at the same time, it's like, I think the players also have the wherewithal to understand that they're signing their contracts at different times and year to year the market can change so vastly and the way that we value players has changed so significantly lately that we're valuing as uh, as a league and as fans, as, as media, whatever you want to call it, we're valuing younger players more and we're paying younger players earlier. So I think the, the, the players to some extent, are aware of that and understand it. It's a business, absolutely. And so if Brock Besser were to get more, I don't think anyone would have been up in arms in in Vancouver. Line A, maybe more so, because yeah. he's a very, at this point in his career, one-dimensional player. You have to remember, he's still young. And that's, again, the other problem that we that sometimes we don't think about is that because these guys are commanding so much money out of their entry-level contracts we expect them to be multi-tool players when the reality is, I mean, you can look at guys that have signed like, like Ivan Provorov. He's not exactly developed into the player that he should be. I guess the player that we thought he was going to be top 10 pick out of his junior draft, right out of the NHL draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was highly touted. He just hasn't developed the same way. And I know it's different between defensemen and forwards. I get all that, but when you boil it down, like there's some players that are just going to develop a little bit slower and rounding out their game. But when you're a goal scorer like Line is, there's still a market for it, and there's still people that'll pay for it. Uh, but yeah, that one was interesting. The the, the Besser deal, the three year, uh, seventeen and a half, just over seventeen and a half contract. Um, it, and a part of that's a show me contract. Uh, is uh, to me, it's not even a bridge deal. It's more of because he's been kind of riddled with injuries, injury prone. Yeah, like he still played, I think, like fifty or sixty games last couple seasons. But he's been hit with injuries a couple times. So if he can stay healthy through the end of this contract, he'll be up for an, a nice payday at the end. The interesting thing about his is that the last year of his contract, he gets around $7 bucks. There's the been way, a few contracts like that, that the qualifying offer on that last year yeah. is super high. So that's where your base will be going into future considerations. Exactly. Charlie McAvoy is the same way. Exactly. He, he had his contract three year, 14.7 mil. Um, but his is a similar way where it's around 7 million bucks on the last year base salary. Uh, and that will play into qualifying offers and all that fun stuff. Um, who else was there? I mean, Brandon Carlo signed a small deal. That was a thing. Travis Konechny got done six years, thirty-three million bucks. Long term for Konechny, he's a very good talent, and they're, they're like you said, they locked up Provorov on the back end, so Philly yep. is locking up some young talent. And like you said, in terms of a show me contract, it's also your these GMs are paying for potential. 
They're paying yep. for not what they've done. They're paying for what they could become. Right. They could become stars. And that's the way this league has been, especially with the likes of McDavid and, and contracts before then, is what you're paying for going forward. Unfortunately, that's what they have to navigate. Yeah, and I know there's been a few people that are uh, wondering what the hell's going on with Matthew Kachuk. And it, it's funny when you bring up the, the whole, well, you can't pay guys more than your leadership group. Yeah. He's the exception to me out of all these RFAs. Like, name one, and he's not going to be as much of a leader as Matthew Kachuk is. Matthew Kachuk is being earmarked by a lot of people to be the captain when Giordano moves on or retires, whatever happens uh, at the end of his career. Yeah. A lot of people are tabbing Kachuk to be wearing a C at some point, and so his is a little bit different because how do you value his contract? Not only is he putting up points, but if you want to talk about comparison to other leaders in the room, I mean, Kachuk might already be one of the most valuable leaders in the Flames dressing room. Right. Very interesting to see how that one gets done. I still think they uh, I, they need to move money out. I, I don't think that they want to do uh, a, a bridge show me like they've done with Besser or like the Canucks rather did with Besser or the Bruins with McAvoy. I think they want to get something longer, it feels like. Yeah. But there just hasn't been anything that's either side's leaking out. So I saw a couple things on Twitter. Basically, if you take the, the bare minimum of... Bester's contract, mm-hmm. and you take the max of Marner's deal. Let's give Kachuk right in the middle. Why can't if you if you had to go with a bridge or a, a short term deal, go three years at north of seven, maybe low eight, right, and come to terms. Like I don't know what they're looking for exactly. It probably sounds like it is a term deal, right? Like it was with the Marner camp, but I mean that could be a viable option for Kachuk just to get him into camp. I, I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling that like if they were to get Kachuk at similar term to Marner, six, seven years, whatever it may be, if they could do it at like nine and a half, that would be perfect. Under 10, yep. Like if, if they could get nine, nine and a half, maybe even lower than that, like it's possible. What's his ceiling though? I mean, as a, because he's a, he's a 30 goal scorer now. Right. Okay. I mean, he plays that physical style of hockey and he's got the leadership, but like in terms of on the ice, I guess stats like how what can he can he become more than this because he's already a great player right but if to, he if he flatlines at 75 points a season but brings all the intangibles that he brings with him some will argue that that's more valuable than Johnny Gaudreau or a Marner putting up 94 points and yeah, oh yeah. and him being yeah I, I, I mean I think saying. Marner brings a lot of leadership qualities to, uh, as well maybe in a different way yeah and I mean he's also got some other I don't want to say strong personalities, but other people who have been tabbed as leaders ahead of him. Tavares, Matthews. Yeah, Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley as well, yeah. But in the case of Kachuk, I mean, he brings so much that's intangible that you can't quantify by a stat that it's just, it's such a different situation that you, his ceiling, maybe, maybe he's hitting it. Maybe it's, maybe it's 80 points a season, but I, I don't think there's anyone in the league that wouldn't take Matthew Kachuk on a nine and a half million dollar deal per seven years and have him put up 70 points and, and bring everything else that he brings to his game. Right. Because that, that, he's the, the, one of the more interesting guys that's been out there to begin with. 
and still is, but we just aren't talking about it because neither side's leaking anything. I'm very interested also in Braden Point in Tampa. Um, yeah. Very, very quiet. I don't know if it's because all we've been talking about is Canadian RFAs and he's down in Tampa in the tax-free state and they're trying to work through a, 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 contra- a team-friendly contract. But uh, last reports as contract talks have not been going well. They're qu- quite a stalemate in terms of difference. Uh, Bra- I mean, he's very valuable to that Lightning team. But again, mm-hmm. it's a it's a case of tremendous leadership uh, in front of him in the depth chart. And do they want to jump ahead of a, a contract like Stamkos or a Kucherov contract? And it's just uh, it's a stalemate at this point, like I said. Yeah, I guess you're more worried about what his deal lines up with Stamkos because they're both centers. Yeah. So I think that's probably where you're trying to figure out how he fits in. That's his benchmark, basically? Yeah. Like, that's his comparable? Probably, right? But at the same time, I mean, it's the lightning. They'll figure something out, I'm sure. They It'll always be, do. Yeah, yeah, they always seem to find something. They, they're they one of the better organizations in the league for that. Uh, I, I think you had mentioned to me, or we were messaging back and forth before we did this, uh, you were surprised by the Jared Spurgeon deal. I'm crazy. Like, really? That, like... You don't think of Jared Spurgeon of the Minnesota Wild as being one of the most high-paid defensemen in the game now with his seven-year, $52 million. Yeah, sure, he's very valuable to the Wild. Yeah. But I don't know if it's a markability thing. Like, he's just, he's a solid defenseman. Mm -hmm. Not flashy. No. Kind of reminds me of a Mark Edward Vlasic in San Jose. Like, highly regard, like, Vlasic is very highly regarded. Yeah. But he does not scream like a star. And he's, you know, in his career been a highly touted guy. Spurgeon does have more offensive upside than a lot of people give him credit, though. Maybe it's just I'm not watching Minnesota well, Wild and games. that's part of it, right? I mean, just to see the deal that he signed, it just did, that came out of left field for me. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what his age is. I don't know. He's not a young. He's not a spring chicken. 28, I think okay, it is. Okay, so, yeah, kind of, I mean, you're paying for a prime, I guess, as a defenseman, and he's grown into that role, and him beside Matt Dumba, you know, that's a good top pairing for Minnesota. I just, the deal, seven or seven and a half million for Spurgeon seems like a lot to me. Yeah, 14 goals, 43 points last season. Uh, he played every game, uh, but like you said, it's kind of, when you think of, about 43 points and you're paying them seven and a half mil per kind of crazy. But I think at the same time, they're only flip side of what the Leafs are. The Leafs have all their guys up front paid. Yep. The wild on the other end have everyone on the back end. Like, I mean, they got about the same amount of money tied up on their defensemen. It sounds crazy. I would rather have guys like that locked up on the back end, the Spurgeon, Suter, Dumba, uh, Jonas Brodeen, get them done. Oh yeah, Jonas Brodeen is a good one. Get them done on the back end, and shore up the the defensive side, and and plug and play on the front. Then then what the Leafs are doing, inversely. Like I I don't think this is a bad idea by the the Wild at all. I, I think as like organizationally in the front office, they've been a disaster lately. You're right. But they still have Devin Dubnik, who's proven to be one of the better goalies in the league. Um, they we just rattled off their top four, solid top four. Uh, they would rival some of the better ones in the league if they all played just to what we expect them to. Suter's had a very down year in years past. Like, yeah, he's coming off a, a bad. He's a name. 
But yeah. age is definitely, I mean, his contract is huge and that's he's what they signed him for. for so. sure. Right. Yeah. But I mean, even if he slides down to be a fourth defenseman, uh, I think Jonas Brodeen's still sneaky good. You'll take that for sure. And yeah. then Matt Dumba, of course, is Dumba and Spurgeon. Like, they're, they're I, I get where they're coming from, I guess. Like, it, it seems like an overpay, especially for someone that, I mean, he didn't have to get done right away because he still has a year left on his current deal. Right. This won't kick in until next year. So it takes him until he's around 36, 37. But that division, let's just start off, is oh a nightmare. And I oh mean, boy. you, you got to pay for defense. You look at Nashville, they've done the very similar thing. I know they traded Subban because they were dealing from a position of strength. Yep. And their D, they did the exact same thing. They they paid their, their top four D-men. Yeah, well, and there's, yeah, they're another situation. They had the plethora of riches on the back end, and they've let it develop for a while to, to get to this point. And so now, it, you, I mean, they were kind of leaning on Roman Yossi before anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, he took on a big role, and so that's just, I don't think that's necessarily elevated. But it's for guys like Mateus Ekholm and, and Ryan Ellis that kind of get the bump um, to, to see what they're about. But, yeah, it, it's fascinating to see the difference between the, the two th- styles of thought, and so much of it comes down to just the personnel you have in the building. Totally. It's wild. That, Crazy stuff. that central division is going to be oh, a gosh. nightmare. Oh, so, gosh. Uh, we'll, we'll do I don't, we'll I don't do know it. if the Avs are going to be able to play D. Can I just put that out there? Like, they, can they play defense? They don't need to. They can win 6-5. That doesn't work in the playoffs. doesn't work in the playoffs, I agree. But you can't, you can't win playoff games like that. They like, lost who's Tyson. their goalie? Grubauer? Yeah. Oh, my God. He could be a fantasy star if you're... <laughs> well, yeah, he's going to get you a lot of league. wins. Yeah. He's also going to kill your goals against. True. Like, they got rid of Tyson Berry, who's yeah. their best defenseman. Kale McCarr, full season of Kale McCarr. Oh, yeah. yeah Sam don't get me wrong. You're going to have Sam Gerard. You have Kale McCarr. Nikita Zadorov. Zadorov's a bum. Uh, he played some minutes. He's a bum. Yeah. Uh, Eric Johnson's there still. Yeah. Uh, but, like, jeez. When you can score, though, well, it's yeah, going to be it, very similar to a Leafs situation. Leafs, I mean, they got Morgan Riley, albeit, but, like, and Bay, uh, Barry, who they got from Colorado, yep. and Cody Cece from Ottawa. Like, but again, they they invested in their forward group, and they got a score. Yeah, the Leafs are Shrapnel and Cody Cece on the back end. Yeah. Like, it's Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Tyson Barry, and Cody Cece. Yeah. And then who, who the hell knows? I think they, yeah, they lost Ron Hainsey. They're always reliable 39-year-old oh. Ron Hainsey. Hey, he's wearing an A, isn't he? I he think, is. In, in Ottawa? With Good pa- for him. Peugeot and... Uh, what a man. Mark Borieski. No. No offense. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mark Borieski. See the one that did the interview with Eugene Melnick yes. last year? He needs... The Between Two Ferns style interview? Mark Borieski needs to be the highest played play, play, uh, player in the NHL. In the NHL. For what he has to put up with in Ottawa and how he has to be the team's spokesperson they for gave him everything. A, they gave him a letter. That, that's his... Uh, a, he needs more than a letter. <laughs> he needs to be making McDavid money. Because I feel so bad for him. I know. I do too. Oh, sucks to be Mark Borievsky. Um Lots of injuries. You want to switch to football quickly? Yeah, there's yeah. a bunch. Lots of injuries happen in week two of the NFL season. I mean, it was a pleasure to watch, but not for if you're Drew Brees or Big Ben. No. Uh, Drew Brees, something happened with his hand. He hits the helmet of Aaron Donald. Well, he hit the hand of Donald, and he busted his thumb up. Right. Yeah, because Donald came up to block a pass, and, and hand, Brees decided hand to smash hand. it. Hand hand, yeah. yeah. So um, that was a good idea. He is out a uh, estimated six weeks on his... Uh, Thumb surgery ligaments are torn. Like he couldn't even hold a football. It's not good. As you're a quarterback with your right hand, you need to hold a football. So yeah, unless you're Vic and you need your left hand. Oh, there you go. Was there? Is there any other lefties like in the league right now? I don't know. Is Lamar the, Jackson a lefty? No, he's a righty. No, 
If there's any lefties, they aren't good. No. Can't wait for someone to be like, oh, you forgot sold so uh, Shut yeah. up. No, there's, I know there's, I think there's got to be somebody out there. Uh, Big Ben, he has an elbow injury. He had surgery. He is out for the year. There was a couple rough throws oh, yeah. where he was laboring in that early in that first half. And yeah. that apparently he's been dealing with it all week, maybe even to the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got to a point there in week two where it just was not enough to play through. That season, I mean, we, we talk about it too, but they traded their first round pick this year for a disgruntled safety, Minka Fitzpatrick in uh, in Miami, excuse me. Yeah. They traded their first rounder. This could be a lost year and they just traded your first rounder away when you could potentially draft your quarterback of the future next year. Yeah. Why? The, they, only, they, the only thing I can think of is that the Steelers don't know what losing feels like. They don't. And I, they're, they're such a... They are such a winning pedigree that they don't understand the situation they're in. They've had three head coaches since 1969. Yeah. Three. Since Nolsey. Chuck Noll. Chuck Noll. And then... Bill Cowher. Bill Cowher and now Mike Tomlin. Crazy, though. Like, for, for there's teams out there who have had more quarterbacks than head coaches. There's yep. It's ridiculous. It's uh, it's interesting. They've literally, if this doesn't work, like they're they're going to take a shot at it. And by all accounts, uh, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo said that apparently Mason Rudolph looked good in in preseason and is better than a lot of people expect. Um, he's obviously not going to be Roethlisberger, obviously. No. Yeah, but like if they can't turn it around, then Tomlin's probably done. Uh, and then, then the rebuild will begin, but it's weird to go and make this move. James I, Connor has not looked right these first two games, and now we find out he, he got hurt in week two. He, yeah. He's got a bum knee, uh, no you know structural damage to the knee, but he it's a pain tolerance thing once again, and he's questionable to play in week three. Uh, Juju's been Juju to an extent. like He hasn't been super flashy, but he gets he's consistent. Uh, all these production, I mean, if you're a fancy player, they all decrease uh, with with Mason Rudolph under center. So you assume so. Yeah, I mean, but but who knows? Like, I'm not, I'm not even gonna. This isn't a comparison by any means, but like Aaron Rodgers looked pretty good once Favre left. This isn't a comparison, but Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. And Rudolph has been in the, what in the system for two years now, something like that. I think so. He was a backup last year under. Big Ben. So but that's that's about the only thing you can hang your hat on. Is yeah. That, hey, Aaron Rodgers watched for a little bit, and I guess holding the ch- a clipboard. He watched a Hall of Famer. Mason Rudolph's watching a Hall of Famer. Oh, I'm really trying to help. All right. Well, we'll see what happens to Mason. I, I wouldn't. Who, I wouldn't bank on Mason Rudolph being good. But who yeah. is worse off, the Saints or the Steelers? The Steelers. Yeah. Two like two or three years ago, the Steelers had Roethlisberger, Brown, and Bell. The now who do they have? Potentially the Mason three Rudolph. greatest skill play- yeah. players of their generation. Yeah, now they have Mason Rudolph, Jalen Samuels, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. It doesn't really ring the same way. No, it doesn't. Uh, no, the reason why I say the Steelers are not the Saints is that the Saints invested a lot of money in Teddy Bridgewater. He wasn't bad before he got hurt. Very credible starter in Minnesota. Like a young, He was a young talent. Yeah. He was a first-round quarterback. And yeah. like you said, terrible injury uh, that really derailed his career. But you're right. They pay seven and a half million for a backup <laughs> is like unheard of. It's like they knew this was going to happen. Ooh. The only thing is that their schedule sucks. It's the very next tough. seven weeks is at the Seahawks, 
tough. Home to the Cowboys, who have been playing great. Home to the Bucks. Okay, they can win that. That's a good one. Their division is ass. In Jacksonville, that's a good one. With Gardner Minshew, mustache yeah, man. Yeah, and only buttons the bottom button on He's his shirt. He's got a better mustache than you do. He's a weapon. Yeah. Uh, and then they're in Chicago. <laughs> tough. That's, doesn't sound very fun. No. And then they're home to the Cardinals. With Kyler Murray, who could be even better by week Assuming that he is going to be better, but they're still at home. Yeah. So that helps. And then they get a bye. Ooh. So, I mean, if you say that, or if Breeze is going to be out six weeks, yep. that would take him up to the Cardinals game. So if he would miss the Cardinals game. The seventh week is a bye. So maybe come back after the bye then. Could come back for if they, week nine, week 10, whatever that would be. If they need him for that Cardinal game, if he's ready to play, maybe they play him. But very tough. I mean, and they are, I don't know, they are 0 2. Did they? Yeah. They, they have, Another 1 and 1. Oh, because they, they beat the Texans in their Oh, that was the crazy week one opener. games. And they lost to the Rams, obviously. So, um, yeah, you hope they can get to 500 by the like end of that said, bye week. We said that the schedule last week, we said it was tough before this happened to win against the Texans. Yeah. And then, yeah. And now this is even tougher with without Breeze just because, I mean, he affects everything. Like your quarterback affects everything, and he's so good at so many intangibles. We've brought that up a couple times, but he, he brings so many things that you can't quantify. Uh, but at least they, they have a backup they clearly feel confident in with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. So we'll see. Teddy gets the reins. He, I mean, you're right. They paid him potentially for this situation to happen, but also to replace Breeze when he's finally is done. Yeah. To be a, another it's starter. It's not a bad idea. Like, again, like he's, he, he can, if he can find a glimpse of what he had before he got hurt, like it's an interesting dynamic and he can open up the offense in a different way. Like, because if he can move, if he can get out of the pocket, I haven't seen him play recently. Right. I don't really know if anyone has. So it's hard to say. But if he can get out of the pocket like he could when he came out of school, that changes the offense big time for the Saints. I mean, you, you can add in a lot of different things. Kamara can be used differently. Thomas can be used differently. Yep. So it, it's it'll be fascinating to see if he's able to be mobile, if the offense changes as uh, we maybe when we get to like week four, they've now become the most interesting team in the NFL to watch because you just don't know how they're going to react without Breeze. It's been forever since he's missed a game. Yeah, for for one week they'll be the most fascinating to watch, and then people go back to the Chiefs, and then that'll be that. <laughs> I <laughs> and, guess, and we'll yeah. just be like, okay, let's go back to Patrick Mahomes now and see. I mean, he's been Madden like. Yeah, that second quarter last week against silly. Oakland was ridiculous. Stupid. Actually stupid. You don't want to play against him in fantasy this year. No. Not looking um, good. Other injuries. Uh, Trevor Simeon goes down. Did you see this? It was gross. I caught it on the replay this morning. Yeah. It was another turnaway injury. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's, that was gross. Do not like it. He's out for the season. Uh, so Luke Falk is Luke. taking over at QB. A lot of Falk jerseys. Yeah, a lot of Falk. No, Falk. Falk? With an A. Like, uh, don't get folk, <laughs> not like folk music, <laughs> Luke Falk, Falky. like Marshall Falk without the U. Okay. I could, what if I had a Marshall Falk Jersey? Then just tape over the U and change then, diet color. Yeah. And then diet, uh, jets green. But, uh, apparently Sam Darnold showed up at jets facilities today. Uh, he said his goal is to be ready for week five. Uh, as someone who's gone through mono, you have no fucking clue when you're going to be ready. No, no, no idea. Because I don't, I've never had it. Yeah, but you have, and terrible. like I, I, outside looking in, it's like, yeah, maybe you got the flu. Like, what is it? Like, how do you you just lose all energy in your body? When I had it, I didn't get out of bed for two weeks. 
That's crazy. I, the only time I had enough energy was to get out of bed, go to the ballpark because it was uh, we had a home tournament that weekend. This is and Lance Dahl, McCoy, Colts. No, pitcher? no, no. That's before then. Oh, um, we we had a we had a tournament, and so I went down to the ballpark, went and played catch. I was like, oh, I'm not feeling well, but I'll go play catch. Uh, and this was was before I knew I had mono, and I was so exhausted by the time I even got to the park that it was done. It was jammed on, and then I stayed in my bed for two weeks. That's and, crazy. Uh, and the one thing I had to be careful was uh, with was that I think it's your gallbladder. Um, in flames. Okay. And so, in a contact sport, this sounds like a bad idea. It might not be the gallbladder. There's there's one specific organ that will inflame. Kidney. If, well, I don't think it was that bad. Maybe okay. it was. Appendix. I don't know. It's irrelevant. It could be your face. I don't know. I don't play In any case, yeah, I, I just play one on the radio. <laughs> um, but there was one body part anyway, and I was told that I couldn't slide certain ways, I couldn't do certain things, because if it punctured, and if, or even if I just slid the wrong way, my body was going to fail. My God. And so, like, when you're playing football and you're a quarterback, like, I, I don't think he's going to be ready for week five. And if he's ready for week five, he might, like, injure himself way worse. He's risking it, potentially? Yes. Like, he's, uh, yeah, he's jumping ahead of doctor's orders, maybe? Like, I, I had... It, it was mono and something else. It doesn't really matter what I had. In any case, oh. mono was one of the things I had at the same time. And uh, a risky, what, like an SDI? No, no, no. Oh, it was okay. like mono and uh, some kind of fucking poisoning. I don't know. Okay, cool. It was it was great. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just impossible to tab a week that you're going to come back. True. I, I would bet he's not ready for week five. That sounds crazy to me. There's so many quarterback. We've talked about it this whole like ten minutes now. All these quarterback injuries. Does does anyone give Colin Kaepernick a chance? No, not even as a backup. I mean, I would, but I'm also not in there. There's so, so like, there's a lot of NFL support now, like especially with all these quarterbacks going out. Like, just give this guy a shot. You think he's more capable than I don't even know, like anybody. The only way that he gets back in the league is if that deal with. Jay-Z and Rock Nation and the NFL somehow open doors because we were talking a couple weeks ago or whatever Jay-Z was such a huge huge proponent and a huge supporter of Colin Kaepernick and then he went and made the deal with the NFL maybe there's some kind of pull or mindset change that happens in the league because of that because it was very obvious that Jay-Z supported Colin Kaepernick that's the only way I can see him getting back into the league. But the fact that he hasn't been even talked about yet makes me think he's not going to. Yeah. And there's been so much that has happened before this last week. Like, there's been many, many opportunities for teams to, to reach out. No one has. Just, I, I, it just seems like we, we keep chasing that. I, I don't think it's happening. Just blows my mind. Because, I mean, I, you feel he's got to have more talent than any of these backup scrubs. Like, they're just... Yep. They're recycled pieces of garbage and they're making con they're making money. Yep. And they're going to be you know thrust in the limelight some of them and it's just like it's crazy to me. It is. That they don't Honestly. give them. I mean again, we've been singing this tune now for a couple of years like just not even in this podcast but like the amount of the lack of talent as some of these backups know like yeah. these they're going to get destroyed and to have even a capable guy on your roster could be worth something. So. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. That's just something I thought of. I would love to see a day that Colin Kaepernick gets back in the league. Oh, it'd be whether he's going to be good or not. I don't know. He's been out of league action for how long now? But yeah, like if he were to come four back, four or five years now. But like 
it, it would be very cool. It would be a global story. Let's put it that way. That's also the problem, though, mm-hmm. because then you got the story. Your organization becomes, oh, Colin Kaepernick's with your team now. Do yep. you want to handle the spotlight? How are you going to handle the spotlight? It's, it's a, it could be a big distraction. For a lot of people, any press is good press. So, you know, maybe Minnesota Dolphins, or not Minnesota, fucking. I my, love the Minnesota my, Dolphins. <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Because they're not even going Josh Rosen yet. They're going, they're throwing Fitzpatrick out there again, week three. I think the Dolphins, if they came calling to Colin Kaepernick, I think he would say no. I think he would look at it and be like, I'm good. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I mean, I'm they okay. need some. They need some good publicity potentially. Yeah, I don't. Uh, they just. They need help. They need help. They could be. They, they could be the worst team in NFL history. The the amount that they're getting blown out. <laughs> yeah. Is I I read a stat like the worst team. I don't know if it was an Alliance team or a Browns team. They lost like all sixteen games by like a hundred and no maybe more than that. I was like. 250 points like right. all together and they've lost these first two games by like 90 like they're gonna shatter this record if they keep it up do they win a game oh I'd i say yes if you put my house on it probably yes but like ooh. i wouldn't feel good i don't feel good about it but no the law of averages say somebody has to slip at some point all these like lines these game lines are like close to 20 point yeah i know i almost underdogs fade. i almost faded the the 18 points Patriot that they had to give it was like minus 18 or something like that 18 and a half I think when it closed I almost took the Dolphins and I'm glad I didn't and I I saw that this Dallas line for this week is going to be a new record it can be over 20 Mm -hmm. it's a good time to have Dak Prescott on your fantasy team Uh, Indianapolis (laughs) Colts worked out kickers today did they they confirmed though that Adam Vinatieri is going to be back next week what does that say though if they're working out kickers that they need time (laughs) 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 <laughs> they didn't have anything readily available. He, uh, yeah, it sounds like from all accounts, he he's struggled these first two weeks, and at, as should a forty-four year old kicker yeah. should. And you know what? Struggle. No one's gonna remember it. No one's gonna care. No one's gonna remember that he struggled for two, three weeks, however long he lasts this year, because he's the best kicker ever. Well, and it sounds like he kind of had like a like a hissy fit. He's like, oh, I'm not good enough, and I I need to retire. And I don't know if the organization's like, we need you. Like, don't. That's go. how great players are, though. Like great players get pissed when they know they're not good enough anymore, and then maybe some he hang, should hang them up. Some hang on, and some just go. Yeah, um, I, I think he wants to go. I think he he gave it a shot, and then luck went down. He's like, well, we can't win nothing. Yeah, I'm not going for a title here. No, definitely not. I, I love you, Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, <laughs> but I'm good. Ty Hilton, you gotta throw Ty in there. Oh no, he's actually relevant. I wouldn't call the other guys overly relevant. Marlon Mack's not relevant? Not enough. Come on. Not not T.Y. Hilton relevant. Is he? He's a running back too. In fantasy. Yuck. What's that? Like Damian Damian Williams type running back? He's struggling. Yeah, Adam Vinatieri wouldn't be hanging around for a Damian Williams. No, that's true. He'd be hanging around for an Andrew Luck. And that's it. Or an Edron James of Colts. Oh, bring him back. He was good. Underrated. Yeah, he really was. He really was. Edron James. Oh, man. And we don't talk about LaDainian Tomlinson enough. Oh, he was my this favorite how player. how good he was. I was a Chargers fan. I still have... You, you've you been to my house. Yeah. I have a Los Angeles Chargers claw. Do you like Phillip Rivers and all his kids? Do I... Does he have a I bunch have, of kids? He's got He's got like nine. Cool. Eight or nine. That's That sounds like a bad idea. Why would you have that many? I, I've heard that if you have that many, you just keep going. It's like, what's the point? Uh, well, you really, yeah. At like, that point. I guess, I don't know if in the States, do you collect childcare on all those kids? I don't think he does. <laughs> he doesn't need to. No. But no. 
yeah. but he's causing himself like unnecessary grief. He's causing his wife unnecessary grief. Yeah. I'm sure that's a personal conversation they've had though. Like at what point do you just say, you know what? I'm not having more kids. I'm going to get a vasectomy. <laughs> like at, at what point do you, do you say I cannot contain myself? Uh, I need help. He's pulling the Antonio Cromartie. Who's famous for having that many kids. Does he have a bunch of kids? Yeah, he used to be a cornerback for like the Jets and yeah, uh, Chargers. And, his, and, and Dominique Rogers Cromartie. Yeah, Were they related? They're, yeah, they think they're brothers. Why did one have Rogers Cromartie and one was... Oh, maybe they're not brothers. I don't know, but one apparently is infamous for yeah, totally. not have, not wearing protection. So yeah. Mm. yeah. Remember Corey Dillon? Yeah. While we were just remembering guys? Yeah. R- running back for the Jets and the Patriots and... He was an animal, and then he went to the Patriots and was good, but he, he was a weapon. Was he? Was he? Yeah, I think so. I only remember him from the Patriots days, but... Um, I, gotta, I gotta do... I, since we're just here now, I gotta do... Lots of running backs. Who else do you remember? Um, Let's remember some more guys. This is Priest fun. Holmes? This has been a long one already. Yeah, we apologize. I mean, Matt was a great interview. Yeah, that was amazing. We were, we're so happy to have Matt on. He and said he's gonna try... Like, if we want him, he'll come back for some other stuff. By the way, he played for the Bengals. Who did? Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon. Oh, it's not the Jets. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Other um, AFC team. Yeah. But yeah, so was, let's just remember some more dudes. Uh, Priest Holmes. Oh, Priest. KC Chiefs. He was a beast in Madden. Like, yeah. Oh, one. He was a 99 overall player. He was. Um, he was. I, also on the KC Chiefs, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. I don't remember him as well. He was after. He was, he was the one who followed Priest Holmes in all of his glory days. Sean Alexander. With the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. He was... He was a... That, that whole, like, mid-2000s running back. He was, like, back. a second tier, though, wasn't he? Sean Alexander? Well, he set the touchdown record, though. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That's why he became, like, infamous. I mean, but well, he, the Seahawks offense hasn't changed for, like, 30 years. It's just run. <laughs> That's Matt, all it's ever been. Matt Hasselbeck wasn't... I mean, he made that oh, infamous call geez. about the whole throwing a touchdown, and then he got picked off or something. Oh, my God. That's Matt what he's Hasselbeck. famous for. Gosh. Yeah. He was always supposed to be something, dude. He was one of the more overrated players. No offense. Yeah. To Matt, he's not listening anyway. Another quarterback, Dante Culpepper. Oh, yeah, yeah. With Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah. He was but, an all right guy. We don't remember any defensive guys. What about Ty Law? Great pick. Yeah, Ty Law, is a, he's a guy that... Brian Dawkins. Oh, of course. With the Eagles. Is Ty Law a Hall of Famer, though? He, I think he is. I think he just got in recently. Oh, did he? Shows how much so. I pay attention when yeah, sports you, aren't on. You looked that up. Um, Asante Samuel was also a cornerback oh, for the yeah. both the Eagles and the Patriots. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, Ty Law. I would assume because I typed in Hall of Fame and then there's Hall of Fame speech. Oh yeah, he was this year. Yeah, that's why I want to name. I was, give a shit about. He Cannon. was a great corner. Great corner. Yeah, Ty Law was great. Yeah. Mm. yeah, he was good. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, obviously, like linebacker wise, was AJ like, Hawk. Oh, the flow. He was him and and uh, what's his nuts were on the same Packers team. Matthews. Matthews. Clay Matthews. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was thinking like Ray Lewis, obviously. Yeah. Brian, yeah, yeah. Brian Erlacher. Yeah. Well, those guys don't need to be remembered. Those they come up all the time. What about Lavar Arrington out of Washington? Oh, that's a good. He one. was a, he was the highest ranked in Madden 2005. The yeah. highest ranked uh, right outside linebacker. Really? The, yeah. In Madden know, I, 2005. If anybody still has Madden 2005 with Ray Lewis on the cover, Ray Lewis was obviously, he was 99. I think Erlacher oh, was 98. Of course. But right outside linebacker, LeVar Arrington. Really? Yeah. Great linebacker. In Madden 06, yeah. the Cleveland Browns as a whole were rated 68 overall. Oh my God. Is that like the lowest a team can go? Uh, Well, yeah. The Titans pushed it with 69. 
I've never seen a team below 70 before. Well, it was a different time back. Oh, the the Niners 67. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, there oh, there was also you could NFL Europe rosters. They had NFL yes, Europe rosters. I remember playing as some of them. Oh my god, this is wild. What like a Frankfurt and What a trip this is. Amsterdam eh? and the the rain fire. Todd Heap. Tight end. Mm-hmm. For the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Good player. Roddy White. Julio Jones, I just saw it today. Julio Jones passed Roddy White this past week for the all-time Falcons receiving leader. Really? How crazy is that? Julio Jones is young. Yeah. And Roddy White was around for a long time. He was. He's going to destroy that record for All receiving the, yards. The Carolina backfield of Stephen Davis and Deshaun Foster. Never heard of either of those guys. You never heard of Deshaun Foster? I remember that um, there was a double-headed uh, monster in Carolina. It was like... Dem- Started with a D. Oh my God! What was his name? Don't remember. T.J. Hujmanzada. Was wide receiver. Yeah, that's good. What a what a guy! Didn't he make the the good throw uh, in Super? No, that was Antoine Randall L. Oh, for the Steelers wide receiver. Man, Antoine Randall L. In the Super Bowl, he made that throw. He was a Madden stud because his speed was like three thousand. Really? I, I'm pretty sure. I know he had the throwing power, obviously, because he was a quarterback, but in college he was a quarterback. Yeah. I didn't know he could run really well. But yeah, you could just like put him up in the slot and then run a slant route and just dump it off to him and he just burned everybody. I think there was a Lions running back, um, probably, I don't know if it was Javid Best, Oh yeah. <laughs> but he had a 99, there was a Lions running back, 99 speed. Yeah, Reggie not, Bush was the same way, too. Not good anywhere. Yeah, probably the same. Yeah. Not good anywhere else, but he, if you got him in open field, he was gone. Right, so. right. Braylon Edwards. Wide receiver? Yeah, he was a good one, Jets? too. This, is, this website's only giving me offensive players. Okay, cool. So, rip to... Uh, what is this? Eddie Drummond. Never heard of the guy. Apparently, he was one of the top wideouts for the Detroit Lions at 62 overall. Oh, my God. In Madden 06. Oh, Amon Green. How can we forget about Amon Green? Are you looking at all Jets players? No, Amon Green was on the Packers. Oh, okay. Never mind. But man, how do we forget about him? Or Javon Walker? Never heard of Donald Driver. What do you mean you never heard of Javon Walker? I heard of Donald Driver, but I never heard of Javon Walker. He was one of the best wideouts for for the Packers. Was he? Yeah. Oh. He was he was better than Donald Driver for a while. But people just didn't remember Javon Walker. Oh, no, I obviously they didn't. No. Interesting. That's that's tragic that you didn't remember. Um, oh God, the Colts were good. Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Edron James, yeah, Dallas Clark, Dallas Clark, Marvin Harrison, and Reggie Wayne. That was Ed, their offense. Reggie Wayne. I mean, that's oh boy, great wideouts. Byron Leftwich, now Jackson. offensive coordinator at. Uh, Is he still in Arizona? No, he went with Bruce Arians to Tampa, Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. interesting. He did. He still hasn't gotten Jameis Winston. Up to par yet? It's early, but yeah. He, Byron left, which was he was a mediocre, mediocre quarterback. Deuce McAllister. Oh, great running back. I like Deuce. He was in the, the Saints, right? Yeah, yeah. Joe Man, Horn. This is fun. Joe oh yeah, Horn. Joe Horn. Joe yeah, there Horn. he is. This is fun. I enjoyed doing this. Um, Curtis Martin. That was another guy. Yeah. Man, the league was good back in the day. Not even in the day, like just. 10 years, 10 years ago, ago, 12 years They'll ago. They'll say this about our generation, like in this generation, 2019. They'll look back at like, oh, Patty Mahomes. Like, right. What a talent. Mm. True. So, no, it, like, it, it's good to see though. But like not Corey Dillon. No, no. I don't know who would be not today's Not Rondé Barber. 
Rondé, he's a cornerback, yeah. Not Tiki. Tiki. Tiki was underrated. Tiki was underrated, and but I like giants, Rondé better. Rondé, yeah. No offense to Tiki. I, I don't think Rondé. Tiki's broadcasting career really took off. No, Rondé's I, has been really good. Tiki's but doing he tried morning to. radio. Is he? Yeah, he's doing oh. it for CBS Sports. Oh, I remember they tried to have him in the booth as well. I think even one time with his brother, Rondé. Yeah, oh, yeah. On a Fox broadcast. It, it did just not sounds like a well. bad idea, doesn't John it? John Lynch. John Speaking of Lynch. Former uh, players turned broadcasters. Yeah, well, isn't he like a manager now? Isn't he GM of somewhere? Oh, yeah, he did get out of the broadcast. Of booth. the Niners? He's still with the Niners. Yeah, you're right. And Shanahan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. John Lynch. He's great safety. Steven Jackson. This is. I, I don't know Rams if anyone's enjoying back. the People probably hate this. Oh, right they now, probably though. turn this off, but. There's going to be like five people that are all about remembering They're going to see right this timeline of over Clinton an hour. Clinton Portis. Running back for oh. the Washington Redskins. Oh, Santana Moss. He was a return god in Madden. But he was a decent wide out, too. Or was it his brother? Was it Santonio? No, Santonio Holmes? No, there was another... There was a Santonio Moss? Oh, maybe it was Santonio Holmes. Santonio Holmes, and then... There he, was... Was there another Moss? Randy. Well, that's, no. they're not brothers, though. Santana Moss, that, that's a real thing. Man, that... This was a fun journey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. Yeah, is that a wrap? Is that what you're saying, or...? Well, <laughs> yep. Yeah, we've been going for a while. A good 10, 15 minutes of just 2005 to 2009 NFL yeah. football player name. Yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, honestly, though, like having Matt in studio was a blast. Absolute right. Yeah, he. Well, uh, hopefully we can get back in, him back in again soon. That will be ideal. Yeah, the Tigers kick off their season on the road Friday night in Lethbridge and then Saturday. Get your tickets. We'd love to pack the barn. It's Willie's first game back, guys. Yeah. Going to be a great show. Got a lot of people there. You said Canelta Center box office, ticketmaster.ca. Get your C. tickets. See. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I'm going to be going to that home opener. I know you'll be there as well. So Same. Yep. Should be a blast. Anyways, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Lance Dahl, Colby McKee. Uh, I didn't even mention, I guess, facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Twitter at on the board. We're late. Pod. We are super late. Yeah. Apologies, but this was a, a good episode. One. We had a lot of fun. So thanks so much for joining oh, us. Oh, hey. Uh, okay. I, I, did you see that my betting lines, I got fucked? By the Bears and half a point. Yeah, well, it was a oh, three-point line or a two, two and a half. Two oh, and they won by two. two. I thought the kick. I thought it was a tie game and they would have kicked it for the three-point win, was, which I was, I was so looking mad. into it. I didn't even get to watch that game. Nope. No, and then I checked. Seattle my phone. was a good one. I mean, you didn't know that Big Ben was going out. Oh no, I did. Of course, I did. And then the first game was. Shaw was the first one. Chiefs by seven. That was a good one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then the Bears by two and a half, and uh, they got two, so. Well, we'll see what uh, Friday's listing comes out. LOL. No, you're going to you're gonna hit a one. Nope. You're like 0 for 5 now? 0 for like six. the century. No, between baseball and football. Anyways, yeah. check the Facebook page, facebook.com slash on the board pod, and uh, you'll find Lance's parlay lines going into week three in the NFL. True. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to On The Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes! Yes! <laughs>